Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided, which is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com, our sponsor. Audible.com is the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, speeches, and online periodicals for everything that you may need in spoken audio. Head to Audible.com. After our show this evening, head over to audible.com and in the drop-down menu, enter Life Coach Radio Network to find out about a free 30-day trial of audible.com. That's audible.com here on the Life Coach Radio Network, the sponsor of Undivided. And welcome into Undivided. This is episode number 32. I'm your host, Frank Chamaduri. We are live here at 7 p.m. on the east, 6 o'clock Central Time, 5 Mountain, and 4 out in California and the West. The Unemployment Divide is the episode tonight with my special guest, Mark Fechner. Mark Fechner here with us from Chicago. In a few minutes, we'll get Mark up. We are live here on the 17th day of October in the year 2018. The disclaimer for tonight's show, the views of Undivided episode number 32, The Unemployment Divide with Mark Fechner, may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, French Emidori, my guest, special guest Mark Fechner, excuse me, and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. And now that we move forward from the disclaimer, welcome everyone to Undivided. This is the 32nd episode, unbelievably. And tonight's show is one that I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I'm so glad to have Mark along with me, and I'm going to get him up here in a minute. Unemployment is something that touches nearly everyone. When you think about it, either yourself, your parent, or both parents, a friend, a sibling, or a relative, or let's say your friend's brother or whoever, a cousin, someone that you know has been touched by unemployment, whether or not you have yourself personally, maybe it's a spouse, someone close to you, you've seen go through some type of period of unemployment. Right now, unemployment rate is 3.7%. It's like an all-time low. However, the last jobs report, 210,000 jobs were lost. So that's still hundreds of thousands of families and people affected by the loss of a job. Unemployment can divide you from yourself, can cause divisions within your family and friends, can cause you to really withdraw. There's a societal stigma around unemployment, which we're going to speak at length about here tonight. There's an emotional toll on people, a psychological impact that a loss of a job can provide. When you feel that you can't go out and contribute, you can't go out and help your family or yourself, there's a certain emotional damage that takes place. There are four types of unemployment, structural, frictional, cyclical, and seasonal. We'll talk a little bit about that tonight. We'll get in and out of uh, certain paths around this topic. When you think of seasonal, you think of the holidays, so employment goes up, retailers hire, you know, extra people on a part-time basis. 
and then it goes down again. Or in the summertime, you know, you hire people that are home for the summer or college kids that are home or in areas where there's uh, summer employment for, you know, seasonal type of scenarios, and then it goes down again. So there is fluctuations based on seasonality that are encompassed into these numbers. We're also going to talk at length about long-term unemployment, and that's defined as over 27 weeks of unemployment after the person has actively sought a job. And then there's the drop-off that's really hard to quantify. People eventually retire but are in this kind of semi-retired status. Other people go back to work, working two or three part-time jobs in place of a full-time job, or maybe grab a seasonal job and are off the rolls, but really never is an estimated that every 1.1 million people that are unemployed, 38% of that 1.1 million are considered long-term unemployed. So it is a, a very big problem. It's very hard to capture. And then there's the labels, which we'll also touch upon. It makes me think of the Cage of Titles episode with Alexander Mathit back about a month ago where we talked about the different labels, different titles people can, can have to deal with in their lives. Unemployable is one that jumps to mind. People that are long-term unemployed feel at a certain point they may never work again. And there's less jobs now, so there's a lot more competition for jobs, and we're going to talk to Mark about that as well. So Mark Fechner is a special guest this evening. He's going to help guide us through this topic. He's been patiently waiting. Mark is a certified professional coach, energy, energy leadership master practitioner, a core dynamic specialist from IPEC. Mark believes in making meaningful connections with people so that his clients can change their lives, their communities, and the world for the better. He does this by helping people understand how stress affects their decisions and blocks them from the personal and professional success they desire. Mark received a BA in business from North Park University in, with a um, focus in finance. He has held several careers uh, in different professions, um, including in computer systems analyst, programming, inside and outside sales. He's also been a musician. He's done some graphic artist work. He's worked in finance. And now he's an entrepreneur and coach. Again, he lives in Chicago. Mark Fechner, welcome to Undivided. Well, thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. How about me? I could hear you. I could hear you very well. Um, cool. Pretty clear. That's that's a good thing. So, Mark, <laughs> yeah, that's, thanks that's, for that's a that's a that's an asset. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining in and for taking the time to spend with us this evening from the Windy City. I appreciate it well, very much. And I thank you for asking me. This is uh, um, I was busily trying to you know get ready for tonight's show, and and uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff uh, involved in this. So um, this should be interesting. Yes, it should. Thank you for the preparation. I know it, it takes a lot to come on and do one of these, and, and for that, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, the first segment of the program is the divide segment. And as I mentioned, you know, in the opening of the show, the unemployment rate's at a historically low level when you look at the national unemployment rate from the last uh, report that came out, 3.7%. Uh, mm -hmm. However, 
as I mentioned, that still translates to hundreds of thousands of people being out of work in an economy where jobs can be really difficult to find because most of them are filled. Why is there a disconnect in our society when the unemployment rate is low compared to when it's high? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I think, to be fair, we, we really have to start thinking about it in terms of, um, first, there's, I mean, there's the economic component to this. Um, 3.7% unemployment uh, actually, you know, it, it, it translates into that employers are, to some degree, finding it hard to find people for whatever jobs they have because there are so many people that are employed. Um, the question then becomes, well, what kind of employed people are there? What are we, you know, what kind of people are employed? What are the jobs that they're occupying that allows us, you know, that, that comes out with the, the, the Department of Labor statistics that says we're at 3.7% unemployment? Um, uh, and, and I think that is where a lot of that stigma starts coming in. You know, if it's, if it's low-wage jobs, um, minimal-wage jobs, um, that certainly adds to the, the um, shall we say, the, that, that stigma that you talked about. You know, if you're, if you're a, well, let's say, a computer programmer who made, you know, $60,000, $70,000 a year and that computer job has gone overseas and now you're, you know, you're left with the minimal wage job, that I think is part of that that stigma that you're talking about. Um, so and and so why are employers having this stigma about those who are unemployed? Um, it, it, it's I'm I'm not I'm not exactly sure how how that translates. Um, uh, the perception is. Uh, I, I, it, it's societal in, to many degrees, and and certainly we have we have enough issues on a societal level right now that uh, will it, that that can compound some of these thoughts uh, around unemployment. Um, so I mean that's that's kind of my first impression on that uh, of that kind of question. Sure, there is. There's um, when, when you have a situation like we do in the economy today, there's then a lack of qualified candidates. And mm -hmm. many employers tend to hone in on potential candidates that are currently employed, which becomes another problem. So whether that person's looking to change jobs or careers, and you know they're not really searching actively for candidates that are unemployed and actually need work. Some have even put in their job posting that unemployed candidates should not apply. Now, in New Jersey, they made that illegal to do, but they used to have that. They used to say, if, you, if you're not currently employed, you know, don't bother basically applying to this position. It was crazy. and happened in New York State, too. Why do employers have this stigma about those who are unemployed, and how can that perception be changed? So it's a two-part question. Why do employers have this stigma? And how could it be changed? Um, 
Well, why they have the stigma, um, I, perhaps they think that there are, you know, the, those people who are unemployed um, aren't trying hard enough. Um, that, you know, that can certainly be a possibility. I, I, um, I, when, when I was faced with that same dilemma of being unemployed, um, I, I made the decision <laughs> at the time to say, okay, fine, I'm going to be self-employed. Uh, and I, I could very well have, have joined the ranks of the the long-term un- unemployed at that point, um, at least from a statistical point of view. Um, so, for me, in 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 my you know in my career and 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 the the you know the diverse nature that I have in from from my employment, uh, it certainly does seem to me that. A lot of it has to do with the individual, and certainly from a coaching standpoint, it has a lot to do with how that person kind of defines themselves. Um, you know, what what do sure. they consider success in their lives? What do they, you know, a lot of people define themselves by what they do for a living. And, you know, both of us are coaches, and we both know that, that, you know, is just one aspect to how a person can go through and, and make that definition. You know, the, the reality is that we can't control um, as an unemployed person, and, and as, as difficult as that might be, we can't control what the employer is going to say or not say or who he's going to hire or who he's not going to hire um, or she. Sorry, I don't mean to be gender, be gender neutral about that. Um, but it, it, we don't have any control over that. What we do have control over is how we're going to approach the challenge. And in that regard, uh, and, and it, it's complicated, you know, it, at that moment by the mere fact that um, when we're in that, in that state of unemployment, we're, we're, we're so, you know, tunnel visioned that, you know, we can't really see straight. We can't really see, well, where's the opportunity because it's like, you know, oh my God, I don't have a job. Now what? Um, and, and mm-hmm. that's where the, and that's where the difficulty comes in. Uh, it's, it's not that we're un well, it, it it's more than just being unemployed. It's, it's all the other stuff that we end up telling ourselves about ourselves in that state of unemployment. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that's an important distinction for the listener too is, and we, we see that when we coach or counsel people or we work with people at, in our other jobs or other work is that then they have this perception of themselves that, oh, well, I'm not good enough, it, it encapsulated. You know, I'm not good enough. Uh, I, I, got, I lost my job because, you know, I can't do anything right, uh, things of that nature. And that's something that, you know, we'll certainly explore as we continue. We're at 716 to be exact, so we're going to take a, a quick break 
here for show promotions and things of that nature. Uh, episode number 32 of Undivided, the Unemployment Divide, will be right back. Sisters of the Diaspora coming up here on the Life Coach Family and Networks. That's Sisters of the Diaspora, Thursday, October 18th, 7 p.m. Eastern, live. Trina Ramsey and the gals. Sisters of the Diaspora, brand new episode, Thursday, October 18th. That's tomorrow. 7 p.m. Eastern over on the Life Coach chat channel. And we're going to be trying to raise some money tonight as we've done with various natural disasters and uh, tragedies that have gone on in our world for Hurricane Michael uh, that's been so devastating for the people in the South and Florida and Georgia and Virginia and and elsewhere. Uh, Some people, um, many people have a lack of access to food and water at this point. It's a a crisis situation. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. And you can ask them how you can help Hurricane Michael uh, relief and the victims there. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. You can go to their Hurricane Michael section on their website. You can also donate in your local area by entering a local zip code or entering a zip code for Florida or Georgia if you know an area that's uh, particularly hard hit. You could ask them to have the money and the resources diverted there. And we're back here on Undivided. It's 717 here on the East. It's episode 32, The Unemployment Divide. Mark Fechner along with us tonight as our special guest. And as we were talking about, you know, that perception of being unemployed is all this other stuff. It's not just, like you said, Mark, it's not just, oh, I don't have a job, you know. It's the other things that roll through our minds in the status of being without a job. Right. So then we have to Absolutely. go out and we have get our right. So then we have to go out and get ourselves, you know, mentally and emotionally and otherwise physically prepared to mm-hmm. go out and, and essentially pound the pavement as they would say, but to go out there and do the search. And in the course of that happening, another reality of the job search is that physical appearance is a key component in landing a job. You and I have discussed this prior to the show. Many studies state that a prospective employer decides on a candidate within seconds of meeting that individual. You have the exact statistics, so I'll let you get into that. What, if anything, can be done to raise awareness of the approach taken from a human resources perspective to make the interview process more about substance, more about the talent that the person has and the experience they have, rather than appearance? Um. And it's 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 funny that that you brought that up again because I uh, I recently went through something very similar. Um, I uh, kind of on a on a on a whim decided I was going to interview for a uh, internal coaching job for a very large uh, international company. And it sounded like a really good opportunity. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I've been an external coach. Uh, and for those of, those of your listeners who don't know what that means, it means that I've based, I work outside of a, a corporate structure. Um, I work for myself. I take on clients uh, that, um, you know, typically work within some kind of corporate structure or not. Uh, but uh, an internal coach is someone that works within an organization and then coaches people 
within that uh, organization's paradigm. And so I, I thought, you know, this, you know, let me try this out. Let me see what happens. Um, it was, it was an interesting process. Um, I went through, I think at last count, it was like six separate interviews um, in the process. And uh, during that whole process, I, I had an injury to my foot um, and I was uh, on doctor's orders forced to wear a orthotic boot that as some of my friends said to me, it says, you know, you look like you're wearing Samsonite luggage. <laughs> that's how, that's how <laughs> large, you know, that's how large and, 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 uh, um, very, un, you know, not, not, uh, you know, covert at all <laughs> in the slightest, um, on my foot. And <laughs> so, uh, most of the interviews that I had were, uh, telephone, um, uh, interviewed with, you know, various different ranking members of HR and VPs and, and whatnot, uh, uh, I met the first interview I had that was in person. Uh, I met with a, a, a vice president of this division that I was uh, interviewing for, and the interview went really well. Um, nothing was mentioned about, you know, the luggage that I was that was attached to my leg, uh, and and I thought, wow, this you know this is going really really well. Um, I had one more in-person interview and I walked into the room and the person who was interviewing looked at me and says, well, what did you do to your foot? And I, I tried to brush it off as a joke. And I said, it's, it's a new coaching tool that I'm trying out. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, you know, trying to, to not, you know, draw that much attention to it and let's move on. Uh, but they persisted. You know, this, this person persisted and said, no, really, what, what, what'd you do? And, and at that point, I, you know, sort of explained what I did, and we sat down in the interview. Uh, it, I didn't feel the same connection that I had with the previous interviews, so it was a little different. And it uh, turns out that uh, uh, after, I think this was like six weeks of interviews and the six different uh, phone calls that I had and, and whatnot, they they sent me the you know thank you for your time we've we've decided to move on with other candidates and and for me it didn't bother me because I wasn't I wasn't I, I'm very happy with with my coaching practice um, I'm I'm quite content and and perhaps that contentment and the process of what I was doing in my, in my interview process is part of what uh, allowed me to uh, be relaxed and, and have a, a, a much easier going way about the, you know, the interview process. Um, had I, had I been really, really looking for this interview and, saying, gee, I really need the job, I'm sure my own internal perspective would have been entirely different. And I, and I would have, you know, been much more uh, devastated by the, you know, the thank you for your time 
email that I got. Um, I'm I'm a little baffled too still at this point as to why it was necessary to ask me about this. Um, but then again, I also didn't. I, I it it doesn't it didn't. I don't care. Uh, in the end, it didn't. You know, it didn't bother me one way or the other. Um, but to bring it back to that larger that larger perspective, how we go about talking with people. I, I, when I work with business owners in my coaching practice, one of the things that I'm that I say, and and this is not just me as a coach, but it's also uh, as a business owner. If business is about relationships, business is about people, and if you have a business problem, you've got a people problem. Um, I'm I've I'm, and and perhaps. Given um, our, you know, technology and how, you know, technology kind of moves everything incredibly fast, we're getting lost in in that moment and we're losing touch with and losing sight of that, that business is about, you know, the handshake. It's about seeing someone eye to eye. It's about that, that personal relationship. Um, and you know, there, there. We're, I don't think we're at any kind of tipping point yet to to make any real change in that perception. Um, but uh, eventually, I think that's going to happen. There, there are enough uh, thought leaders around. Uh, one person that I'm thinking of in, in particular is Simon Sinek, and uh, his, you know, the, what he talks about is, you know. It's about people, you know, this whole enterprise that when you're in business, it's about people. Um, and there, there will probably come a time when we will, we will make that shift. I, I wish I had that crystal ball to tell you when that's going to happen, but um, I think that is yeah, right. inevitable. I, I would hope so because th- I think we've come a long way, but there's still that that human perspective where you know people default back to the lens with which they see the world and they're mm-hmm. hardwired a certain way. You talk about in coaching, um, and then as you mentioned at the top of the show, it's a good segue. The changes to the skill sets needed to get certain jobs, attain certain jobs. Mm-hmm has created a vacuum in the number of qualified candidates for those jobs and specific occupations. We hear that a lot yes. with certain types of program engineers. What could be done to provide prospective candidates with the right training or the requisite training to apply for these jobs and also be successful when they get them? Well, again, I think that comes back to um, relying upon outside sources to help us with uh, these challenges. Um, and, and that goes back to a lot of issues, you know, societal, governmental, so, you know, um, social, th- th- there's, I mean, you know, it, 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 th- there are so many things that are attached to you know, the having the job that um, we, 
it's not an easy it's not an easy fix. Um, I, I, there are companies out there that are, you know, addressing I think those types of of issues. Um, they're purposely looking at uh, particular uh, groups of people. Um, certainly, uh, when you hear about companies that are, you know, looking specifically for veterans. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to make those connections with those men and women that have served in the military. I think that's, that's an incredibly important avenue to be, to be going down um, and, and helping those people transition from military life into civilian life. Uh, we, we need that kind of mindset in not just... Uh, you know, for the military, but for other aspects of of society. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Absolutely. you know, earlier, you know, as you mentioned earlier, the, the whole notion of, you know, people who are long-term unemployed. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is what is the nature of their long-term unemployment? Is it because their jobs have been outsourced overseas? Is it because um, a government program has been defunded and therefore um, we've got a lot of things going on within, within the economy that are changing the way uh, business does business? Um, a lot of turmoil within, within that, in that realm. Uh, that has you know, uh, aspects on, you know, how people are, are how companies are looking to, uh, you know, to, to employ people. And, and I also think that, you know, part of this conversation um, is, is, also, is also, you know, kind of focusing on those very large multinational corporations. Um, we can, you know, maybe as a, you know, in, in, in perspective, we need to have the, we need to change our own individual perspective that, you know, a large company isn't the only avenue by which we can be employed. Um, but that goes right. back to, you know, that goes back to the individual and how their defining their own success for themselves. Um, in, in my own career, you know, when you, when you rattled off my, my, my bio and the various different, you know, careers that I've had, um, even I look at it and going, it, it's a little schizophrenic and <laughs> how I've gone, <laughs> you know, you know, from one, from one kind of thing to another, but in my head, it made perfect sense because it it was it was suiting my purposes at the time that I was doing it. So that's more of a conversation with myself about well, what am I calling success, and how am I defining that for myself? Um, a lot of people, when they say they've lost their job, uh, they've lost not only the paycheck, but they've lost an identity. Uh, a lot of people, you know, 
being an entrepreneur, and, and I do not, I do not recommend that, you know, everyone now become and go out and be self-employed and whatnot. It's not easy. Um, it's not easy not just from a financial standpoint. It's also not easy from a structural standpoint. You know, when you have a full-time job, when you, when you have, you know, when you know what you're doing for 35 hours in a week or 40 hours in a week, that creates a structure that we don't have to Absolutely. think about. And that right. structure, and, you know, and that structure provides not only what you're doing prior to when you start your job, you know, let's say you have 35 hours a week. It's a mon- it's a Monday through Friday type of deal. You know, you've got weekends off. Well, now you know what you're doing Sunday night to get ready for Monday morning. You know what you're doing on your commute to work. You know what you're doing during that eight hours that you're in a job. You know what you're doing when you get home. And you know how that's all going to play out. You know how you it now gives you the chance to plan. Well, what am I doing on Saturday? This is Friday night. What am I going to do? This is Saturday. What am I going to do? You're not just going to pick up and go and, you know, blow off, you know, say, oh, I don't feel like working today. I'm going to go do this, which, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, you have that uh, possibility of, of kind of setting your own hours and, and doing what you'd like to do. So there. To some it's, degree, it's of not just, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, no, of, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Depend, depending exactly. what, you depending what you're doing, depending on what your business is, depending on what your responsibilities are, what Deadline. your obligations are, so on yeah. and so forth. Sure. Um, sure. But the, but, but the idea is that there is, as an entrepreneur, you have to create that structure and you have to do it from scratch. You've got to create that framework of, of a full-time job with somebody not only provides benefits, provides a paycheck, it provides the framework by which we can define what our lives are all about. And that's incredibly, we, we don't ever talk about that, but that's incredibly important. Because right. without yeah, that some framework, people will we, say, yeah, that, I'm know, sorry, they're, in that, and they're in a grind. Yeah, they're saying like, oh, well, I'm in a grind. You know, I do the same thing every day. And then at certain points, when you're in a, a job that's like that, and you're in, and it's 40 hours a week or 42 hours a week with if you have overtime or whatever, and you're still mm-hmm. saying, "Oh gosh, I wish I had the ability to kind of create my own structure." And then when you don't have mm-hmm. that, you want the structure. So it's it's a typical you know human condition kind of thing. We're a couple minutes yeah. beyond. I'm just going to do the the half hour break uh, on our show, and then oh. we'll come back at the we'll do the midpoint break. And then we'll swing back. It was good, so I let it go. Um, and uh, we'll catch up. We'll do the the uh, uh, question number uh, six, and then I'll open the phone lines and everything, too. So Undivided, Episode 32, The Unemployment Divide. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, just want to hit you with some upcoming show promotions. Trina Ramsey has a solo show coming up on Tuesday, October 23rd. That's Trina Ramsey, a solo program. She hasn't done one of those in a while. Tuesday, the 23rd, that's 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Life Coach chat channel. Replenish Me, Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia Gaffar, Replenish Me is the name of the show. It's on a week from tonight, Wednesday, the 24th of October, live, 7 p.m. 
on the Life Coach Radio Network. That's Cordelia Gaffar. The show has replenished me. I don't know if anyone uh, heard the show with Kim Fisk. It was very interesting. And she had another show uh, last week uh, that also was very interesting as well, if you want to go check that out. A very empowering show, uh, Replenish Me with Cordelia Gaffar. And speaking of replenishment, we're talking about uh, Hurricane Michael, uh, the devastation that can cause from an emotional, psychological perspective, also the point of view of, of being without work and what that could cause. If you or someone that you know or love was involved in the hurricane, maybe has lost everything they own, if you or someone that you know has lost their job, and is talking about harming themselves, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. You matter. There are professionals there. Please call the number. Every life is created by God. Every life has a purpose. Things will get better. It might seem terrible right now. I've been in a lot of down points myself. It does get better. Things turn around. Things get better. 800-273-8255. Your life is precious. Call the number. Food for the Poor, www.foodforthepoor.org. Great, great charity out of South Florida, 800-427-9104. You could pick a donation focus. They have uh, Hurricane Florence. We have Hurricane Michael. We have the stuff going on in Indonesia with the typhoons. You can pick a focus or multiple focuses for your donation. That's Food for the Poor, www.foodforthepoor.org or 800-427-9104. So we're coming back here on Undivided. I'm going to open the phone lines now for those who have asked me about that. 646-716-9397. Audible.com is our sponsor. 646-716-9397. If you'd like to call in with a question for Mark or myself, or if you want to share a story about being unemployed or knowing someone that has been unemployed and what that's been like and what you've been through, please call 646-716-9397. Or you can email us if you'd rather not share on air. We had two email questions last week. We had three the show before. Undivided show, that's undivided, S-H-O-W, at gmail.com. And we're back here on Undivided the unemployment divide. Mark is with us. Thank you so much, Mark, for, for coming aboard and for, for sharing. Um, we talked about, you know, the long-term unemployed, the 2018 figures an all-time low of 0.74%. But again, that's a really hard number to track. The all-time high was June of 2013. I remember when that was going on very well. That number is very subjective. We talked about, you know, how long-term unemployment can affect people. Mm-hmm. And I think we covered a lot of that, you know, how we can, you know, essentially better serve that group is by, you know, being there about changing some of those perceptions. Like you mentioned, the veterans are going to be having a, a show upcoming with uh, uh, an expert on, on getting veterans back into the workforce and providing them with opportunities. What can be done to bridge the divide between the group of people? So now we're going to change segments of the show into the bridging the divide segment. What can be done to bridge the divide between the group of people that feel that all unemployed people are lazy, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And there's another group that feels that people need more adequate support, especially the long-term unemployed. 
Then there are those that feel unemployed people need support to learn new skills in a changing economy. And finally, there's that group that has the pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality we've talked about on this show before. So how do we do that? What can be done to bridge that divide between all these different groups of people on unemployment? And, and I say, and, and, in, in getting ready for the show tonight, I was thinking about this question. And the first thing that kind of came to my mind was, well, who's the person, you know, who's saying unemployed people are lazy? Who, who is, whose perception is that? And where are they in, you know, the grand, the, the, the grand scheme of things? Those people that... Mm-hmm. Those people that say that, you know, someone is lazy or they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, no, I have have an issue with that, not because, uh, you know, there aren't people that are, that, that are, you know, there are people that are lazy. I mean, yes, Um, but there are people that are tired. Uh, If you've been laid off several times, within your same career, you know, at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, how many times do I have to do this before I get, you know, the job, you know, before I get the job? I think one of the biggest perceptions that, that needs to be addressed is that not, no, our population is not created equal. We don't have equality among you know, the 327 million people that live in this country. Uh, you know, there, there's the disparaging between locations. There's disparaging between income levels. There's disparaging uh, this between uh, wealth uh, capabilities. Not, no people, you know, no two people are created equal. So therefore, why are we looking at certain people in, in the same, in that light of, you know, well, that person's lazy if they're unemployed. They, laziness, I have yet to really find someone or, or speak to somebody who wants to have a job and can't find one that's, that's you know, lazy. If, if, if nothing, you know, it might be they've, they're tired. They, you know, might be they've given up. Maybe they've turned into that long-term unemployed type of person. Um, uh, I, even in my own, my own career path, um, I, statistically, I can, you know, I do pay taxes. I, you know, I'm self-employed. So, you know, that, that, you know, uh, that's my contribution to societies through that process. But I'm not statistically, you know, when they, when they do the, the non-farm payroll numbers at the beginning of every month. I'm not part of that statistic. I'm not employed by somebody, you know, or when, 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 when ADP comes out with their numbers, you know, of how many, how many payroll people there are. I'm not in that pace. I'm not in that subset. I don't exist there. No, you're not, Mm -hmm. you know, so how does, and, and, I made peace with it with myself a long, long time ago uh, for, in, in, for various different reasons. It's not about 
laziness. It's about fairness and equality. Employment is one of those things that really does kind of hone in on on that that concept. You know, what's fair? Not everyone is, you know, not everyone is cut out to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone is cut out to be self-employed. So to to label those groups of people that say, you know, that they're lazy, my question then becomes, well, who who are these people that are defining this group as lazy? And where do they sit? in in the the hierarchy of employment uh employed individuals um i think that that's a huge thing and and if while we're on this track the other thing that that sort of as as i was going through and researching this the other thing that sort of kind of came to my mind also is the various different generations of people that are that we're going through the, the the phraseology that you that you used in that question about you know labeling people that are lazy. So, I'll you know, <laughs> truth moment here. I am I grew up in the era of I'm I'm a I'm a late end baby boomer, and so my upbringing was late sixties early seventies is my formative years. I, I have vivid memories of watching the news and seeing the broadcasts of Vietnam uh, and, and you know, watching all those news reports. But if you think about it, today's people, today's, you know, the millennials, the, the group that was born between, the, you know, the years of 81 and 96, they have a very different perspective on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so who are we, you know, the, the baby boomers obviously are the biggest group, but they're starting to die off. Um, you know, that generation that, that fought in World War II um, and, you know, had the biggest economic boom ever – that language of, you know, well, that person's just lazy because they're unemployed, that's coming from that whole societal perception because there was such an economic boom. If you weren't working, you were probably just, you know, sloughing off. So yeah, you're above. in a dress. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, how many, you know, how many movies have we seen that, you know, that that vilify those people that are, you know, the Skid Row guys and, you know, just, you know, think of any, you know, any great, you know, movie from the 60s and sure. and those those individuals. That whole language, that whole perception is ingrained in a whole generation of people. It's not part of the generation that came of age in the 80s and the 90s. It's not of the. It's not in the generation that came of age uh, in 95. 
you know, the people born, which they called Generation Z, people that were born between 95 and 03. You know, if you think about right. it, those, those you know, yeah. those people yeah. that were born, those people that were born in, in the 80s, you know, between 81 and 96, their entire world has been um, – just as when I was growing up and Vietnam was a, was a big part of what I was looking at, these, you know, the, the Generation Y people or the millennials grew up with um, the Iraq situation. They have existed with the, with the Middle East as part of their consciousness, You know, and, and we got involved in Iraq in 1990, but we've been talking about the Middle East, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, uh, Saudi Arabia. We've been talking about that region of the world since 1990, for the last 25 years. That's right. an entirely it different perception. Long. You know, that's an entirely that different perception. Back, sure. And, and it formulates sure. how we think about our world, you know. Um, and and then you know, and there are there are there are now. I call them kids. I, I I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but you know, there are kids that know nothing prior to nine eleven. I can't right. even imagine. I thought about that. You know, I can't even imagine what that's what that's like. To not to have a concept mm-hmm. of the world where, you know, when you go to the airport, you've got to take off your shoes and get scanned and, you know, take off your belt and all this other stuff. You know, when I grew up, Amen. you know, I I walked to the gate <laughs> to see people off. I sat at the gate, watched the plane pull away. You know, from from the from the from the 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 the, the, the causeway, and go right. down taxi onto the runway. That's you know, unless you have a plane ticket, you don't you don't get to do that anymore. Right, like in the old you know, movies, it, you see that, and and somebody asked me that, how how could you do that? Because you know, he's waving goodbye to the plane as it's called, like the movie was that old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, think that's about a, Casablanca, that famous a, scene. Of of Humphrey Bogart, you know, saying, you know, it, watching the plane. I mean, we used to do that, and we don't do that anymore. And there's a whole generation of people that have absolutely no concept about that. So when when to bring it back to your point, saying people are who are unemployed are lazy is 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 a mindset from a generation that may be in control for the moment, but they're not there for much longer. Right. Maybe we could see that sort of, of shift and change. Uh, what do you think the role of government is or will be in providing different resources to employers and also to job seekers to alter those trends or those perceptions that exist in the job market? Well, 
<laughs> um, speaking speaking on, on on government these days is is kind of a bit of a minefield. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too political because it's not a political show. But um, you know, yeah, no, I understand know, that system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but but uh, but you know that being said, there is a role. And and I my you know it's appropriate that you say you know the view <laughs> the views of your guests are not that of you know the the network um, I absolutely <laughs> like be- you know I absolutely believe that there's a role for government I absolutely believe that the greatest if you think about it the greatest expansion of our economy happened during World War II, and it was under governmental programs. The WPA, which helped create jobs, it helped create the arts, it helped create a number of, 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 uh, of things that we now take for, for um, um, we, we, for granted, you know, sure. we, we just assume. Yeah, we just take for granted. Um, this notion, personally, this notion that, you know, government should be small is, I I, I don't see it. I don't understand it. Um, and like I said, this, it kind of now, it, it does belie some of my, my, my beliefs in government. And, and, and I don't, I really don't want to go into that, you know, for various different reasons. But sure, no, that's that's a whole other thing. Sure, it, it's a whole other thing. But there is a place for government. Government should be about helping people. That inequality yes. that I spoke about earlier, it should be about helping those individuals. There's right. a place you see that for with that. Their community, community colleges, right? Exactly. Um, uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, there's a, certainly a role for them. You know, I know in, in community colleges have taken on more job training in New Jersey. We have places called the one-stop career centers where you could go in and get career advice and get counseling and mm-hmm. get people to help you do resume writing or uh, interview prep, things of that nature. So that, and that's provided by the department of labor. So there is mm-hmm. workforce development. So there is, you know, in, in, I know speaking from my home state, you know, there is that the local community college are always, you know, having some kind of job training event or sending out a thing. Hey, do you want to, you know, take some courses to become a medical technician or a pharmacy technician? They're doing things to try and open doors for people to, to walk through, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is great. And I hope that certainly that, that continues to yeah. help, you know, arm people. We talked about the approach, you know, the interpersonal approach. You had mentioned that before, the handshake mm-hmm. and getting back to that. How could we do that? You know, the job search has become so focused on the Internet. I remember, you know, back when, mm-hmm. when I was in between, like, oh, well, you have to apply online. Or I'd show up to a place and they'd be like, did you apply online? Or when I was at one stop or in a, in a class and – uh, somebody asked a question, they're like, well, you have to apply online. 
Mm-hmm. Everything is so focused on the internet. It takes the personal, the human element out of it. Can we mm-hmm. ever get back to that? Can that be done? Or are we too far gone? Um, again, I, I the, the short answer is, is yes, I think we can get back to it. There are organizations out there. There are speakers out there that address this very thing far more articulately than, than I can. Um, but, you know, uh, I belong to a, an organization called Business Network International, or BNI. Uh, BNI is all about creating a network, creating relationships. If you know, like, and trust somebody by, you know, by seeing them on a weekly basis, you're more apt to do business with them. Um, that interpersonal connection is, is vital in any kind of business transaction. Um, I think the Internet or, or technology, and, and now we're talking about technology in general, technology is a wonderful tool. I've been using technology since I was in high school. I love technology. But by the same token, I also love interacting with people and having that personal connection. We tend to use technology as a vehicle that we think can be, things can be done better because we're now doing it faster or more conveniently. But if you look at the statistics, um, you know, among college kids, you know, depression, anxiety, and suicides are higher now than they've ever been before. And in part, it's because of technology. Uh, Simon Sinek talks about it within, in, in a lot of his material where, you know, the, the instant gratification we get from a uh, you know, from having a, a you know likes on a post, uh, be it a Facebook or a Pinterest or a Instagram, and you know people checking their phones and say, oh, you know, how many people liked me? That's that's an instant gratification. It's comparable to what we do when we drink or when we take drugs. It's that dopamine effect that kicks in. <laughs> And yes, I have heard about that. Yeah, I'm actually working on an article on social media burnout. <laughs> yes. That's a pretty good segue. You know, um, well, and, and I'm happy to help you there, Frank. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, we're, we're raising a generation of, 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 of individuals that are – Basically, you know, we, we kept them away from the liquor cabinets when they were growing up. We kept them away from drugs and making sure that, you know, they didn't get involved in, in illegal, you know, activities. But we've given them, you know, the smartphone devices and, the, and you know, access to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all the other things. And it's comparable to saying, you know, here, have a drink. It'll make you feel better. You know, pour yourself, you know, right. uh, make, yourself, make yourself a vodka martini. It'll make you feel better. Well, how is that different than the 50s? You know, all you have to do is watch an episode of Mad Men. 
and you get the same, you know, guys coming home from work, and what is the first thing they do? They pour themselves a drink because they had such a hard day, you know, in the office. It's the right. same thing. It's comparable to the same thing. We we have to, I think, as a society, kind of get into that mindset of this is a tool. It's not a lifestyle. Technology is a tool. It's something that we can utilize. I have a LinkedIn page. I have a Facebook page. But it is not how I define myself. But then again, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in my 50s. And it, 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 it didn't become this all-consuming thing that someone in their 20s, it, it, you know, it, they, they might be, they, 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 you know, they're probably experiencing a very different reality because of it. So. Right. I think, I think we have gone, you know, we're, we're so far gone with some of this that we've taken that, that personal approach out of it. But at the same time, you know, networking is really key and, and knowing mm-hmm. people who know people that can help, you know, like you were saying with BNI, but in, in networking with people that can, you know, potentially help you get in front of a decision maker, you know, within right. the organization that's still very important. So, you know, going to different events, industry events and things of that nature, uh, chamber of commerce events, things like that are very important going to job fairs, um, you know, and things of uh, those types of events uh, can be really helpful. You know, I went to a job right. fair once, um, you know, as an independent contractor and everyone's offering me jobs and I'm saying, no, I'm here to actually, you know, meet people to network for, you know, the business that I had at the time. And I could still right. go to certain places and see those people because I met them at this event and they know who I am and, and we've made an impression on each other and, and you've now networked with that person. So there's a very right. important you know, piece to that. What's the role of coaching and helping those who are unemployed? Like this is Life Coach Radio Network, so I always try and circle back to coaching right. on the show. Um, when the guest is not a coach, I'll usually take the question. I might have something to add on here or there. What is the role of coaching and helping those who are unemployed prepare for the job search? <laughs> organize and structure their time and energy to navigate the demands of the job market and also to help maybe deal with their reaction or their family's reaction to their being unemployed. I have to laugh. Finally, a subject that I'm really comfortable with. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we got there at eight, at eight I, o'clock at eight Oh two and on the East coast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the role of coaching and the role of a coach is um, for any coach that is, you know, or any person considering, you know, hiring a coach, the role of the coach is to help the individual with identifying what is it that they want, coming in, you know, formulating what is that vision that, that that person has for themselves and then and and creating with that with that person the 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 path as to how they can possibly go about getting to that goal or getting to that vision and then help them through the 
the the typical bumps in the road that are going to happen in in trying to accomplish that. Um, uh, I've always likened coaching. Um, in in my in my earlier career, I you know I made my living as a musician and I was a jazz musician. I have always likened coaching coaching to uh, being a jazz musician. And the reason I say that is as a musician, there was a, a, a bunch of information, a ton of information that I really had to know to basically forget to become uh, a musician and to, and to become, you know, the music that I, was, that I was performing. Coaching is very similar. There is, you know, a well-qualified and, and certified coach. There's a ton of information that we have. There's a ton of skill sets that we learn, um, not the least of which is how to listen properly. But in the end of the day, when you're sitting down with your client, either in person or on a phone, it's about, well, what is this person doing? It becomes an improvisation for the coach because you don't know what skills are going to be needed in a particular coaching session. You just have to have access to it and to utilize those tools as they come up. So that's part of, you know, the role of coaching, I think. I think the role of coaching is going to become more important as we go, as we get further along, because there are less and less structural uh, supports in place for people to say, hey, listen, I need help with this. You know, when... Uh, when I was in my, um, you know, when I was in my 20s, there, there, were, there were more job fairs. There were more, um, you know, I had, you know, the alumni association from my university, you know, had, you know, come and, you know, we'll help you put together your resume and stuff like that. Those types of, those, those services are still out there, but they're a little bit harder to find. They're not as, um, you know, they're they're not they're 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 not as obvious as they used to be, and that could be, you know, that could be because of government cuts. That could be, uh, you know, for for various different reasons. Um, So I think the role of coaching is going to become more important as we move forward. In you know in the next decade or so because that resource that we provide as coaches is, you know, was institutionalized at one point and it's not anymore. That's so it. That's we're going to, and I don't, go I'm ahead. sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. And so, so we're going to end up, I think, replacing a lot of those, um, a, a lot of those structural things that that when when I was you know coming out of college we just sort of took for granted. Yes, that's key right there, and especially like you had mentioned before, the millennial generation and some of the younger generations, the Gen Zs, they're very comfortable with the concept of life coaching. 
that are mm-hmm. very comfortable. I've spoken about it on this show before. Oh, uh, I have to go see uh, a quote unquote a shrink or a, a psychologist. Oh, that, what a mm-hmm. bummer, man. I got a life coach. Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah. uh, I need a life coach to help me, you know, figure things out. That's cool. You're going to see a life coach. That's great. You know, versus mm-hmm. talking you know, about having to go see a counselor and what that, yeah. you know, connotation brings about um, and to help people navigate that, you know, talking to them about a values assessment, talking to them about their life purpose. And we always touch on the family. I know there's other coaches that have been on here that have said, you know, I specialize in this or I specialize in that. And, you know, Russ Terry, who started Life Coach Radio Network, you know, he'll always say, but for anything that you do, he does a lot of business coaching. You always get Mm -hmm. to the family. It always comes back to their personal life. So I think you're always going to get into, well, my family, right? You're always going to touch those limbs of the tree no matter what you know, yeah. your specialization is. And they're going to say, well, well and, you know, my family. Go ahead. Well, what I was, I, what, what, what just popped in my head is that, you know, when I, sure. I, I, you know, I come across, you know, when, when I'm in my BNI, you know, I have my little pitch, which is, you know, helping people understand how stress affects their decisions. Um, I, promote myself as a business and executive coach, but you know what? It's all life coaching. If you've got an issue with money in your business, bet you, you know, you're going to have issues with money in your personal life. If you have issues with relationships in your business, you probably have issues with relationships in your personal life. What we do as coaches is holistic it affects, you know, we're not, as much as we'd like to try to compartmentalize our lives, that's really, really hard to do. Because we're not, we're not pieces of a puzzle. We're, we're a whole entity. And the, the, the difficulties that I have seen in working with clients is when they try to, you know, segment themselves out and go, oh, well, that's, you know, that's that problem. Uh, that, that's not this. That doesn't affect this. Well, it probably does. You're just not, you know, in tune with that. Right. You can say what you want about compartmentalization, but there is, you know, it does have to at some point probably seep in. And, mm-hmm. you know, that they're going to be concerned. And I know some people that have been out of work, were more, almost more concerned with their family's reaction to that than their own. And, yeah. you know, how they were, you know, how they were dealing with the, the situation and the information and kind of like, okay, I, I have a feeling some of them may get it from a spiritual connection or a faith connection. Like I have, I have faith that you know, God's going to take care of me. I'm going to end up, you know, he's going to open a, a, a window when he closed the store, you know, so they, right. they have a feeling they're going to be all right. My family then thinks, oh, gosh, what is he going to do, number one? Or number two, mm-hmm. like, can you believe, you know, so-and-so is, you know, out of work again? You know, that, that word that's the you know, right. verbiage, it's very, you know, right. important. Right. Um, what's wrong with them, you know, and that whole mm-hmm. thing. And you'll talk about that. You know, what kind of feelings does that bring up? Where is that coming right. from? 
how can we, you know, change the way that you look at this to a more positive feeling and a more powerful feeling for you to, to move forward with, you know, right. and, and walking through that, you know, those layers with the client, I think is right, is very powerful. Um, and, and does happen. So thank you for yeah. that answer. We've uh, come to the common ground segment of the show, which is the final segment of the show. We're at 811 here on the East Coast, 711, where our mark is right now, in central time. The last part of our show is called Common Ground. We try and find some first steps for people to, to go out there and try and find um, some kind of balance on an issue. So how can we find mm-hmm. a common ground between those who have a negative perception of the unemployed, which we spoke about before, those mm-hmm. who may have stuck their neck out, quote, unquote, for an individual with a checkered work history to get burned by that person, mm-hmm. an individual not performing in the job, to those mm-hmm. who maintain that unemployed people better resources and training? What is the first step to find or go towards harmony with all those groups surrounding unemployment? I think the first step, so you're, you're talking about, you know, the, those people that have, you know, quote unquote, stuck their necks out. <clears throat> if they're feeling burned by that experience, what that tells me as a coach is they have, they have quite a bit of judgment around that experience. Anytime in those scenarios where you're, where, where the, 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 the experience is clouded in this good or bad feeling type of uh, response, you're, you're, going to, you're, you're setting yourself up for this sort of one-off type of um, engagement. What I would say is, and, and how I would work with a, with a client is, well, what is it can, that you can learn from that experience? Take away the emotional, you know, the emotional nature of, of, the, of that experience, and what kind of information can you get out of it? You know, if you got burned, quote unquote, by, by a particular experience, well, is is that you know was that because of something you did didn't do you know could you have done something differently could you you know uh, try to try to take away that 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 feeling of you know you know being mad about that experience and what can you learn from it so I mean that would be uh, that would that would be the first thing. Um, I think those people, you know, and we've heard stories of uh, companies that, you know, will go out of their way of of actually helping people who have criminal records and help them try to get back into the workforce. And you know, sometimes that works out, and sometimes that doesn't. Uh, but they're, they're, you know, it's their way of giving back or, you know, it, it, it speaks to a, a, a personal value that those employers are willing to take that risk on people. Um, 
I think that's a that's a, a unique opportunity to see well what is it that you can learn out of those experiences that can help you make a better decision the next time because it's all about the decisions that we're making it's not about you know how how we can you know kind of complain about things or how we can you know say you know well I'm never going to do that again uh, you know or come up with these absolute responses to things that just continues that 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 partition that we're putting up uh, of, of ourselves with other people if we you know to take away that partition those partitions what are we learning from that experience how can we do things differently so that the next time we get a different response or we respond differently to a particular situation um, that would be how I would, uh, you know, that would be my, you know, my suggestion. Um, it's not necessarily yeah, it's an easy suggestion. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, say that again, please. Right. It's, it's, it's all about how we respond. And you're right, it's not going to be easy. No. I mean, you know, uh, since you and I both went through the same coaching program, you know, there, there is a vast difference between responding and reacting and when mm -hmm. when i hear the when i hear the phrase you know those people that you know stuck their neck out for somebody and they got burned by the process that's a reaction they're not responding to something they're reacting it's a gut reaction it's it's that visceral you know how dare they look at what i did and they're reacting to the situation and the yes and and yes. we always have the choice you know we have the choice of how we want to engage with others we have the choice but it takes work on our part to say okay i'm not going to react in this uh knee jerk type of way i actually let me take this information in let me understand well what was my role in this particular scenario how can I go about uh, you know doing things differently the next time and come up with a response to something um, that's how that would that would be my takeaway like I said it's not easy it's not something that's going to happen overnight but without the awareness that you know there's a possibility of you know, how you are reacting to a particular situation, we're never going to get past this, this you know, feeling of, of uh, getting, you know, getting burned in, in those types of things. Yeah, that's going, to become, that's going to be at the forefront if we don't change that awareness and we don't raise that to, to meet mm -hmm. that there. We do have an email question. It's actually the uh, – sure. In, in the body of the question, it's actually directed to me because they had mentioned that you had shared before the story about the boot. And yes. they're asking me if I felt that I had ever experienced something like that uh, when looking for a job as far as like perception. And mm -hmm. I did in a way because, you know, when I, when I was out uh, for a little while, I had someone that was um, – trying to network me, you know, we would call them a headhunter or 
you know, mm-hmm. a uh, executive search type of person. So he was trying to get me in front of different people, and he knew someone very well on a personal level that was like a C-level executive at a uh, it was a smaller company um, in the in an, in an industry that I had experience. So I got in front of this person, and before I came into the interview, then because they knew each other so well, after the interview, it was like, okay, well, how did this person do? And the guy who was the executive at the company who interviewed me said, well, you know, my perception and looking at his resume and seeing that he was out of work was he was going to come in like out of shape and like uh, overweight (laughs) and like he had been sitting on a couch eating Doritos. And I kept Mm -hmm. myself in really good shape and, you know, I played basketball a lot and everything back in those days. and, And I still go to the gym every day, but, you know, I came in, he's like, wow, he looked like he could, you know, you know, play basketball against anybody in college or that sort of thing and was a great shape and presented in a very uh, powerful way. And that was not what they perceived in looking mm-hmm. at my resume. So I was dealing with that perception versus the reality. They had already drawn up in their mind a perception of me that was not anywhere near the reality of coming through the door. Yeah. So if you think about you send in a resume blind, and you don't know someone they're looking at that with that same lens and, and ready to toss that. So yes, I have gone through that. That was very eye opening to me. Um, I, I didn't actually get that opportunity, but it didn't matter because I went on to something you know totally different, but that experience is one that I still, you know, recollect. Uh, Mark, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming on. I want you to promote your practice while we still have some time. Uh, so uh, where can people reach you um, if they're looking for some help and some guidance um, on how to, to deal with stress and mitigate that? Uh, where can they contact you? Do you have any events going on, things things of that nature? Um, I I do have events. Um, I Well, I mean, in, in the Chicago area, certainly I do. Um, Awesome. Uh, the best way of getting a hold of me is via email, and um, I have a website. It's Mark Fechner, F S and Frank E C H N E R dot com. Uh, that's that's my website. Uh, the email is Mark at MarkFechner dot com. Um, if you Google me on LinkedIn, uh, or you Google me, you'll find that. If you can. You, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Mark Fechner. Uh, I have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, I have a Facebook page. My coaching practice is called MF Coaching, um, and uh, uh, that's you know that's the easiest way of getting a hold of me. Um, and uh, I do you know I do speaking engagements. Uh, my 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 2018 speaking engagement schedule has sort of has has come to a close for the year uh, for various different reasons. Um, uh, but, you know, we're picking up again for 2019 and, and, and uh, looking for other things. So, you know, I'm always happy to talk to people about what it is that they think they need and, you know, how I can possibly help. Thank you, Mark, and uh, really appreciate your time and coming on the show. And that's how you could get a hold of Mark if um, you're looking for someone to do a speaking engagement in 2019. And if you're looking for coaching, you're looking for advice 
Uh, Mark is available. If for some reason uh, you can't get in touch with you, you can always contact me. You can contact the show, and I can get in touch with Mark, too. We can do that as well, and I'll certainly keep in touch. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for your time and, and for coming on. I've got to do some promos and, and uh, kind of close off the show for the night uh, sort of thing. So thank you very much for coming on. Well, thank you for asking me. This was I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh, nice. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, it was yeah. it's great having you on, and uh, uh, thank you for shedding light on uh, this subject. Uh, for the listeners, stay with me. I'm going to wrap up the show. I'm going to tie it off, as I usually do. We just have to hit a couple of promotions, and I'm going to promote my next show before we sign off. Uh, so again, Sisters of the Diaspora, tomorrow night, Thursday, the 18th of October, 7 p.m. Eastern, Life Coach Chat Channel. Trina Ramsey, a solo show on Tuesday, the 23rd of October at 8 p.m. Eastern, also on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Replenish Me, Cordelia Gaffar, Cordelia Gaffar, next week, a week from tonight, Wednesday, the 24th, live at 7 p.m., Kick Some Glass, that's Kick Some G-L-A-S-S, Kick Some Glass Like the Glass Ceiling. That's Tammy Banfield and Melissa Blackmore, uh, long-running series. They're the first and third Thursday of the month. Check the listings on the Life Coach Radio Network page for their next show. That's Kick Some Glass, Tammy Banfield and Melissa Blackmore. Remember, Tammy came on this show when we did the uh, Women in the Workforce Glass Ceiling show, which was Really, really enlightening and uplifting. And finally, Erica Wiederlite. Erica Wiederlite, she's back for those who have listened to the network for a long time. You remember Erica had a long-running show um, on Life Coach Radio Network. Erica Wiederlite has returned. Uh, her first show back in this new iteration will be Wednesday the 31st. That's Halloween, Wednesday, October 31st. Her show will be on at 10 a.m. Eastern over on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Erica Wiederlite, Wednesday, October 31st, 10 a.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Let's raise some money. Audible.com is our sponsor. Let's raise some money for Hurricane Michael. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. Go to the Hurricane Michael section. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. www.samaritanspurse.org. You go to the Hurricane Relief section. They have a whole section on Hurricane Michael. MAP International, 800-225-8550 or www.mapmap.org. They're on the ground in Florida, in Georgia, in the affected areas with Hurricane Relief Packs. That's 800-225-8550. Give to these people. They desperately need it. They have uh, no access. They're airdropping food and water into some of these places. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy. So please help if you can. So, guys, before I sign off for the night, I want to thank again, Mark, for coming on. Uh, I want to leave you guys with a piece on unemployment. Be open to everything, every experience in life. There's a reason why that has happened. Have faith. God puts you in places in your life. God puts you in situations for a reason. You may need that time for another reason that you never saw coming. So have faith in it. Trust the process. Be open to experiences and people that cross your path, and you'll truly live 
Undivided. My next show, my next show, we have the three-week break. I wanted to remind you guys, occasionally in the calendar we do, my next program, Wednesday, November the 7th, live, 7 p.m., Ramana Stokel will be my guest, the Western Split, the Western Split, Ramana Stokel. She lived on three different continents, European Union, Australia, and the United States. We're going to discuss the split in the West, the differences in living in all three of those places. It's going to be a fascinating episode. So, again, that's in three weeks, and I will be back with you guys then on Wednesday, November the 7th. Until then, for Russ Terry, for Trina Ramsey, for Danica Trouble, and for everyone at the Life Coach Radio Network, this has been Undivided Episode Number 32, The Unemployment Divide. Thank you to my listeners from the bottom of my heart, near and far. Thank you so much for your support of the program. And until I see you, and until I see you guys again on November 7th, as always, be blessed and be well.